Welcome to the Confident Broker Podcast with myself, Efren Montalvo, and the one, the only amazing Amanda Kingsley. Oh, hello. Morning. <laughs> Whenever I call anybody, that's what I say. Or when I answer, it's, oh, hello. Hello. Oh, hello. You never know what mood I'm in. That's good. So yes. how, how are you today, Amanda? I am doing fantastic. Hello, everybody out there. Welcome to the round two, second episode of The Confident Broker. This is going to be one of those episodes that is not going to be one hour and 45 minutes, which some of you complained about, but you got through it, right? You're fine. Mm-hmm. You and survived. I, and I have meetings today, so yeah. I know me too. I have a lot of interviews, so I'm just going to jump into everything and kind of give you an explainer about what this episode is all about and give you guys everything in a nutshell, right? mm. So these episodes that we have here are called Talk TCB. This is when we get on together and we talk about strange topics, curse a little bit, get people on board. They want to talk, share their story, tell you things, share lessons, motivations. This is what it's all about. There are three parts of the confident broker. So that's the first. The second is confident courses where we go in and we help you be confident in certain areas, whether it's self-development, sales, or um scrubbing deals which is my first one which is a parted out course and that is my pride and joy and my heart I could scrub a deal in less than five minutes tell you everything and tell you if I want to put money in it or not or I don't even want to look at it um that's my strength and I'm excited to share that superpower with you Uh, but another superpower I would like to share with you is the ability to connect you with awesome people and that's where the confident connections come in I will be interviewing some of my friends and colleagues in the business finance industry and introduce you to them in the ways that I know how and that sharing stories of how we met and our compatibility and showing you the ways that you could match make yourself to the companies, professionals, and the products that you should sell. So that's what the Confident Broker is all about. You find your ways in being confident. I deliver a, a basket to you of all these things that you can choose from and you kind of build your own broker and I'll explain more about that soon but like I said this is round two this is where we're just gonna let it all out and then we're gonna continue on with our lives because a lot of you know me as somebody that complains a lot I heard that word complain um I guess you don't see my point and A lot of the posts that you see are me coming out and sharing negative things or my blacklist of email people who cold call, uh, I'm sorry, cold email, uh, just their ISO agreement, you know, second position, merchant cash advance and up, you know, 1499 companies, you know, they don't even take you out to dinner. Like, call me, introduce yourself, you know, actually, I don't even want that. I don't have time for that. How about you have your LinkedIn profile and name correct where I could find you online and not feel sketch? That's first and foremost. Anyways, we're not going to get into that. See, I complain. Um, But that's one goal that I have for myself to make my life easier and the brokers in my network and this market, you know, feel better in more confident in finding out who they should partner with. Should they work with this person who sent an email, but they said that they could do these type of deals. Nobody's doing this. Mm, yeah. Like I'm going to, we'll get to that. Oh, it, we'll right. definitely get to that. But yeah. Stop me when I'm like ranting and going no, on. My- no, keep going. Ah, the Muppet show. By yeah. the way, I'm watching the Muppet show from the very beginning. First episode. Touche. Yeah. No, but in, in terms of, you know, people say you complain, hey, you know, it's perspective and how you look at things. And, you know, when you always speak kind of truth to power, the truth to industry, it's, it's you know, things where people, you know, if they're going to throw shots and say stuff and do things and give their opinions. Listen, I'm not trying to gospel or anything. No, like, I'm not innocent. No, none of us are. That's for sure in this industry. But yeah. in, in regard to, you know, when, when you get on top of the soapbox and you say things, you're the only one saying it because you're on top of that soapbox. 
And it's easy to throw shots on the sideline. It's really easy to throw shots. It doesn't yeah. cause any effort and it doesn't expose yourself. But again, you've been someone that has always tried to, you know, speak for the confident broker, confident in their abilities, knowing their value. What they by accident. By, by accident, you know. It that just, wasn't, it was I didn't jump into are. this mm-hmm. industry and say, you know, everybody's doing it wrong. I want everybody doing it right. I'm going to build a company and be a guru and, you know, have an agent program or something. And, you know, mind you, a lot of them are great, you know, certain techniques and process and partnerships, the way that they put everything together. It's fantastic. They have a knack for it, but I came in a little bit different. I do things a little bit differently. I was a little bit more outspoken, which doesn't make me, um, hmm. I don't know. I, wh- where am I, where am I lo- like, if you had like a, a little pool to kind of put me in, like I curse, you know, I'm real. Um, you know, sometimes my content isn't fluffy. So, you know, I can't be placed in, you know, or under where I would fit, you know, to support somebody else's brand or company. Yeah, I don't fit in. I don't fit in, but I made myself fit in. There you go. I mean, but, but again, it's, it's not, you don't have the fluff. You don't have like the veneer of I like, don't like you don't come to me for a hug or, or <laughs> you feel okay. Cause listen, you know, this industry is tough and you're a tough cookie. It and, is. And, I am a mom of tough love. Uh huh. Don't come to me for a hug. Like I'm going to ask you why first. We're going to talk about self-deception. Well, no, you are going to talk about things and come to slap hug. Like slap and hug them. You'll slap hug. Yeah, slap. But they like that. Anyway, (laughs) talk about that. But we're going to talk about my narrative and why I'm doing this because it makes a lot of sense. I'm going to be talking about many topics that are hard hitting that will help somebody grow that they could see a different perception and and you know absorb and put out in their own ways and it's like who the hell am i to to give anybody advice like who who is amanda kingley who is this person where does she even come from she's in central florida she's not even on wall street she never worked on wall street um i believe in 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 the finance world what i did in my in my past life I say in my mortal life before I got into this industry, um, I worked for currency exchange at the airport at JFK. That was great. I learned a lot about money and people and oh, yeah. like it wasn't just going to work and, you know, counting thousands of pounds. No, it was, you know, the experience. And I think that's what led me to this point is the experiences that I've built over time and where I am now. And, um, you know, I, I sent you Ephraim before, you know, I was even like, Hey, you know, let's jump on a call. Let's record. Um, I sent you a document of an episode called, you know, how did you get here? Yes. And I was, you know, personally, I was, you know, going through things and breaking down doors at this point, this just happened, you know, a couple of months ago. And I started thinking a lot about, you know, where I am. I was on such a good path. Um, and I realized that it, it, the support that I had or the system that I had to fall back on in business wasn't um, going to support me. And I feel like a lot of people go through that. Um for a lot of people, it's not public. For me, sometimes it's public because I put myself out there and, you know, do But we, we all have gone through it. We, I mean, myself, I mean, again, I overcame it by just dialing and pushing through it and breaking systems and figuring out who, who does what, how's a file handled, what's the relationship, who they're working with. Like a lot, a lot of that stuff, I had to throw, you know, shit against the wall. And, and really, I, I had to go through a lot of declines to understand how the algorithms work, how, how things were placed. You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't have a support system, but I was trained not to have a support system. I was trained to have a phone and the yellow pages, and that's it. See, we come from two different worlds. I'm more of a, um, 
I guess I have a high EQ, not saying that you don't, cause you definitely do, but depending on where you're thrown in your duties, your everyday things that you do and how you have to handle your psyche means a lot on how you survive. Right. Mm-hmm. I wasn't put in that situation. So yes, I could definitely figure out how to survive that, but when you build up that survival mode, no matter where you get placed, now you've built that. And that's your experience to put in place to, you know, the next industry or your next, you know, job or career choice or life choice. Mm-hmm. You take that with you. Um, so we come from two different worlds on that. I think, you know, I'm not saying that you didn't have to sell yourself because you do. That's number one rule of selling is selling yourself. Um but kind of, you know, selling a product versus doing business development. I'm not selling a product. I'm constantly selling myself. And that's hard for a lot of people who don't, they may know who their self is outside of business, but they cannot entangle, I said entangle, they can't entangle that with their business, which now they are a CEO or entrepreneur, and then discipline themselves in making it all work together, but still be an outside figure or somebody who has to put themselves in the face of other people. It's very difficult and it's very exposing. Um, There's so much happening in the world right now for everyone going through so much shit all the time that, you know, they constantly have to remind themselves, maybe like top five things to remind yourself every day to look back on so you don't lose focus and you don't lose that track because I do, you know, I'll lose focus and, you know, on number four, I'll go back (laughs) and I'll be like, I was working on this. I need to keep working on this. I lost so much time. And then you have regret and then you are hard on yourself and you could be the most you know, you could judge yourself the hardest, you know, and you are your worst judge. So in connections with that and growing in this space and whether it's losing a deal and figuring out what you did wrong to, you know, losing a partnership and having to start over and not having the money to do so or not having the resources to do so and just wanting to give up, but something kind of pulls you back. You know, it happens to me, it happens to you. Like it's those instincts and things that run into your path that you just have to always keep your eyes open and keep an open mind, you know, that that's your sign and go with the flow. Um, And and I would say, are you moving forwards in that respect, in that journey through your destiny, or are you moving backwards? Because every place I've been to, I'm I'm seeing, I have a different look because I'm, I'm going into an organization I'm seeing how to structure. I'm learning from my past mistakes. As long as you, for me personally, as long as I can learn something from the most mistakes, I don't have that level of regret. I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's an aspect of time like you have to. Again, we all we're all at different junctions of our lives. Some of us have families. We have support systems. We we are the support system for other people. So it depends where your options are and how you can do that. I mean, like like you know the and old how added, important you are to yourself to settle or not. Mm-hmm. Some people just settle. But meanwhile, you know, it's like that, that I, I need to find that picture of uh, the two guys digging for a diamond and one of them gives up right before he gets to the diamond. I feel like some of you settle, I settle too for certain opportunities or sell myself short and take them without realizing that tomorrow or if I would have seen a different sign or instead of scrolling on Instagram and, you know, procrastinating and making myself busy with something else, if I would have stayed on my path, the right distraction and the right opportunity would have came in my way. But no, we brainwash ourselves with the things that are around us. We talk down to ourselves and we don't commit to the things that we make ourselves happy for like what is going to bring you genuine happiness what is going to bring you to that place in your life that you are going to be financially stable for yourself and for your you know kids and beyond what are you going to build right now that is going to leave and stay when you leave and I think about that all the time um 
We're in 2021. I'm a mom. I'm not going to mention that on every episode. You guys know that. But for a quote unquote single parent um, and not having a stable base, which a lot of people, you know, may have had parents that were lawyers or doctors and, you know, the credit was kind of built and, you know, not passed on, you know, we'll talk about that too on our credit episode, what you can do to stabilize your kids for their future. Um, But, you know, depending on your parents and your lifestyle from when you were little, how you were raised and, you know, where you were raised and whatever, you know, shapes you or you could shape yourself. We all have the opportunity to make change if we change. Um, So I I didn't have the advantage that other people have. Um, And let's jump into business because, you know, starting your own business, business or broker or ISO, um, I did it by accident. And um, I think this is where we need to start. Can I start? Go ahead. Okay, cool. I'm just going to jump right into it. I may cry at one or two points, and I'm not going to get into too much detail because there are people that we are going to have on the talk TCB. And we're going to go into uh, these chaotic times in Amanda Land fashion and go through the stories of experiences. And we're going to have a lot of fun with it. Um, But back in 2013, um, I got into the industry called the merchant cash advance industry. Um, I didn't know what I was getting into. Um, I applied on a Craigslist ad after moving to Florida because I really needed a job. So I saw the Craigslist ad. It was an admin position. I think it was like $11 an hour. Um, and then they were promising to train to be an underwriter. And I was like, great, you know, I could add that onto my resume and I could build with this company to a certain extent and then go into mortgage underwriting, take that class. I'm, you know, I, I've always been that person like, okay, it's not right now. Like, how am I going to use this to hustle later? Because I, I got to make a living. I need to feed myself and eat for my kids. I've been, you know, on my own since I was 16. Like, I need to make shit work. So um, they never called me. And I sent my resume everywhere for like two, three months. I was so discouraged. Nobody wanted to hire somebody that just came from New York. Um, So I called them. I was pissed. I wanted to know why (laughs) nobody was hiring me. Um, And he was like, oh, yeah, I have your resume right here. The guy answered the phone. And I'm not going to say any names or any companies or anything. Um, And he was like, yeah, just, you know, come in for an interview. So I went in. And there were three other women and we were the admin team. And I was kind of excited. I'm like, oh shit, I got a, you know, girl team. We're all going to work together and make this shit all work, you know? Mm. And um, I think it was, I, I, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I was just told that, you know, the deals come in and uh, there was this piece of paper that we had a check mark and had a couple of funders and we would write down the basic information because we had files in the office um, and these big file you know, folders where each uh, small business file or deal would be in these files, uh, file folders. So we would have to put it by legal name and, you know, document it and print and scan and it on the big scanner that would one of those, you know, it was one of those type of uh, broker companies back in the day. Um, And about two weeks later, the partner split up. Um, And this was my first time ever working at a, a small business like this, where it was very young. Um, I think they've only been open a year. They derived from the credit card industry. So, um, everything was, you know, credit card processing first. So after the partner split, um, that's when everything just went to shit. Um, Mind you, and I'm going to get a little personal here. uh, When I moved down to Florida and working at this company, I have a younger son who may listen to this one day. And I thought about this. Um, he lives with his dad in New York and my younger son is my baby, my heart, my soul. And I was busting my ass because I was served 
with, you know, sole custody. And that broke my heart. There was an agreement in place. I'm not going to get into detail. Maybe one day I will. Um, but I had to get back to New York and I had to get a lawyer or something. And I, I had a bunch of shit that I had to do. And, you know, this job was uh, my lifeline on restarting my life. Whew, don't cry. Um, so I, I was building myself on this and, and I got bit by the bug. I saw the deals. I got to communicate some of my first ISOs because I was admin. I took in the deals from our outside ISO. So yes, we were co-brokering. That's how I learned what co-brokering was. Uh, but they were these bigger ISOs in New York that were funders now. Um, hi, guys. Um, and, you know, we eventually owed them a lot of money um, and money wasn't distributed properly um, and shit hit the fan and we're not going to go into detail, but I didn't get paid for a very long time, but I still stayed there uh, because through the court system and everything, I knew they were going to call and try to check my references and see if I was building a stable life for myself. But meanwhile, on the side, you know, I was trying to still do business development and uh, I knew funders and uh, they liked me and I liked them a lot. I liked working with them. I guess I was one of the normal human beings that they had to deal with on a day to day. And I enjoyed communicating with them and getting deals done. Um, so after a while, um, I left the company and a couple of people left with me because the money still didn't make sense. Um, and decided to build my own off of the question that everybody asked me all the time. They would always ask me, uh, you know, Hey Amanda, where should I send this to? And I thought about the email, how it says send to, and then you put the email address. So I called my company send to, and it did pretty good. Um, I didn't realize I was a consultant back then. Um, I contracted with different brokers um, and funding companies to build their business development or their, their broker, which I hated, um, hated building brokers. I still hate building brokers, guys. Like if, if you're a one guy or, you know, three, four guy and, you know, you want some tools and everything fine, but I can't go in and do anything for you. You have to do it yourself. I realize that you have all the money in the world, but if you don't get it, you don't have it in your heart, your blood, you know, it's, just, it's not for you. Just don't. Um, Anyway, back to the story. Um, so throughout all this process, I was still going back and forth to court. And um, when it came time to for, for them to check my references and them calling the company and looking up everything online for them and researching everything, um, they couldn't find like the validated information for them to show that I was an employee. And when they called, nobody answered the phone. And when I went to that court, to that, that last court, you know, where they, you know, went over everything and I'm not going to go through the fact that I had a public defender and he had a lawyer cause he could pay for it. And I was borderline broke as shit. Um, he got custody he got everything on that list. Um, and it showed that, you know, I, in their eyes that I didn't have my shit together. And that killed me. Oh, my God. I'm not going to cry. Ephraim, help me. I'm not going to cry. You're not. Hey, it's. Uh, ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay. So that pissed me off. I busted my ass, guys. Um, and nobody believed me. Mm-hmm. How can you work for a company? How can you work so hard and not get paid? <laughs> and and that's why we hear all these years later at the conference broker because that same story. I I have that same exact story, you know. In in regard to that, you know, trust me. I and you know to pivot in term a little bit, to, so because people don't know who I am, but they know you. You know, I I was you know in Brooklyn. You know, I was a I was one of those kids that observed the other group, you know, I, um, that certain crowds, I was always kind of an outsider in certain respects. And I, I was fascinated by the ticker symbols, you know, at Fifth Avenue, 
and in Brooklyn, you know, I see ticker symbols. And I'm like, that, for some reason, it fascinated me. And then as a teenager, I understood, you know, oh, that's Wall Street. Oh, what, what is that? And then I started learning. And I knew that, like, the cultural aspect of being a stockbroker and getting on the phone, I didn't have that ability. I was technically, you know, I was someone that grew up with a stutter, was an extreme introvert. I had a hard time speaking with people, but I knew I had to get into sales. And, you know, uh, my parents put me into martial arts. So I did that for a long time. I worked out, I was kind of a gym rat. And there was a local gym in Brooklyn opening up doing pre-sales. I'm like, I can see, I, I, and I'm big on vision. I saw myself doing that. So I walked into the uh, um, gym and happened, the supervisor of that gym happened to be in there. And I went up to him, I'm like, hey, you know, you're hiring. And keep in mind, this, this I never had a job. I was 16. I didn't have a job. I mean, I, I went to school, you know, but I, I wanted to start working because uh, the school bored me. And I went in and he's like, have you ever done sales before? No. But I told him, yeah, I've done sales before. He didn't know how old that was. He realized that he liked the gumption. But I told him I was still in high school. I was still doing this. He's like, you know what? I got a part-time gig for you. And then once I graduated, I went in and I did that. And um, I did really well selling gym memberships because uh, I had a knack for it, you know. I, and then they made me a manager of another gym in another part of Brooklyn. And they, um, after six months of making me manager, they demoted me. And I was so pissed. I was like, how you can demote me? I'm doing so well. They're like, Ephraim, this is going to be good for you. I didn't know that. They had a friend that was a stockbroker in the 90s This came out of prison and he needed a job. So he came in and it was the greatest blessing ever because he toughened me up. So what he did was, and this is all training from behind the scenes. I know you're doing that. We did sales, pre-sales at 199. So we just had a flyer. I went out because the, the end train was coming on rush hour. I would stand outside, give the flyer. My job was just to get them in. His job was to sit them down, needed me, to get a conversation, to get into negotiations. The whole objective was data, get a name and number. So for months, we had this list of name and numbers. And then at, at the last week of pre-sales, because I told him I wanted to be a stockbroker on conversations, just hey, on the gym. He gave me the list. He's like, Ephraim, I want you to get on the phone, call these people, tell them this is the last day. They get 199 special. What's your credit card number? And that was the first time I was ever on the phone. And he was like, you got a kid. And years later, that same individual introduced me to a man, like, like a follower to me, that would be my mentor. That actually saved my career in Wall Street. Because when I went to Wall Street, you know, I was, I was like, eh, maybe I should go to college, get my degree, and then go to a wirehouse. But I'm like, I don't want to waste time. So I went to a certain firm. I went through the gauntlet, cold caller, open accounts, junior broker, made it my own. I got, I got my series seven. When I got to the pit, through all the abuse, all the haze and all that stuff, I was like, I don't want to hear it. There was one guy who, who had, you know, we, we just, we're just oil and vinegar. We just didn't click. So he was kind of two years my senior. So we're super competitive. You guys out there who are in the business, you know what I'm talking about. And he kept messing me. Now, at this time, you know, in my course of my life, I, I didn't make money yet. So if you... I, I was willing to go there. I'll leave it at that. And obviously when you're on the street, there's a lot of competing firms. So I left the firm, but as a kid, you, you don't know what those, those, those paper stack contracts that you read. And I left the firm and they had a guy named Columbo come after me and they sued me for triple damages. And they sued me for more than I can ever imagine. Oh, and I'm shit. like, Oh my God. I like I, my career ended before I started. I'm walking down the street, smoking a Marlboro light, you know, yes. myself. Yeah. And I'm like, my career's over. There's no way I went to, I went to people. They're like, you're screwed, kid. Papa. I walk in the down and I hear a voice. It's Ephraim. I'm like, I look up. It was the best friend of my branch manager from that gym all those years ago. He's like, hey, hey, how you doing? I'm like, yada, yada, yada. I got into the business. Yeah. I left the, I left the firm. I left this firm, you know, they're suing me. He's like, wait, hold on. What firm suing you? What? Wait, stand right there. 
He comes back. He's like, don't move. He comes back 15 minutes later. He's like, follow me. I walk into the firm that I just left that suing me. He walks into the owner's office. He tells the owner at that time, hey, you see Ephraim? That's my son. He dropped him the lawsuit. He gave him a sales assistant. He gave him a check. And we're having an office right now. And the owner said to my mentor, not a problem. I didn't know. Ephraim, I'm sorry. And that point, my career in Wall Street skyrocketed because I thought destiny was on my side that led me there. It was snatched from me, taken back. I say this to all say this. My career in Wall Street, I had it really easy compared to other people I've seen. So after in 2008, we all lost everything. I came to Tampa because I, you know, I was like a vagrant. I, was just, I had money, but I was bouncing around with traveling and stuff. And uh, I was like, I have family here. So I'm like, let me just get a job. Let me just get a job. Which means just over broke. <laughs> Which it does. That's, that's what it means. So then, and then I, I all these, but I needed, I needed that because when, when you have, when you have super highs and you get to the pinnacle of your career and it gets snatched from you, it messes with you. And then I, I, my, which led me to the cash event space. I had my sister um, got pregnant during pregnancy. She had a heart condition. So she couldn't work. So I was working until the pregnancy. I was helping supply her bills. And mm. then when the when, I, when my, my niece was born, I was like, I, I, I hate to sell an insurance. It was so like, oh, I resigned. Oh, I was like, I had, to, I had to quit. I had to quit. I walked. Now, keep in mind, I was a shell. I'm going to be honest. I was a shell of what I was on Wall Street. I remember. I, yeah. You know, we, we talk about this. Mm-hmm. I had literally ten dollars in my pocket, literally to my name. Okay, I, my my vehicle just broke down. I have a car. I, I told myself I don't care what I do as long as I don't sell insurance. I'll do anything. I'll rub toilets. I just don't want to sell insurance. I took the first job that nearest me that I can walk in Tampa. Like now, walking is like a forty-five minute walk. I took that first job was for an ISO. And when, dun, dun, dun. when I tell you, I walked to the ISO and I, and I realized what this was, the guy, the, the guy, the kid that hired me was like, what I was like, he was like 24. He just, he just came from a, a one of the, a pretty big funder out of Miami, just moved in Tampa. And he looked in my eyes and he saw this fire because it's always there. It's never died down, but it was, it was, it was kindled. It was like mm-hmm. And then when he started telling me what we do here, I realized, oh my God, this is like a watered-down version of Earth Asperger's on Wall Street. He gave me the script. I saw the, all the people in the office. I saw the Vici dialer. I saw a pack of sardines in that office. And can I tell you, the second I made that first phone call, I was home. I knew I, this is exactly where I was supposed to be. And that's and that all that pent up, like all that, oh, all those years just wandering in no man's land. I got it's frustrating. It's, it's frustrating, but it all came out and I was a beast immediately. Yeah, I mean, like when you I, know, you know. And when you know, you know. So in terms, so I always ask myself, man, man I had a really good on Wall Street. What would have happened if I didn't get sued, if I was on my own and oh, I had wow. my own way? And you know what? The cash advance business answered that question for me because I didn't have any support system. Everyone tried to screw me. Everyone trying to everything you can do without overtly destroying your career, they attempted and they all failed. Yeah. And, and you, even in this industry itself, even though you didn't have that, you know, that backup, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, got it worse. You know, there are people that like your situation, wall street have worked at funding companies before and maybe have been of value and, you know, a lot of these companies think that you are going to steal, steal from them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so they will sue you or, you know, whatever paperwork you sign with them, which that's another episode of what documents you should sign if you are an employee of a business financial company mm-hmm. or ISO. Um, you should make sure you read what you sign. If, you know, if, if they, you know, put on there that if they sue you, that you have to take their legal fees, which, and 99% of all the documents that you will read, 
you know, these companies will not be responsible for that. So I've known people that got dragged out for years and spent thousands, if not millions of dollars in legal fees on case, you know, like they just dragged it on for years just to be spiteful, to, to, to just like vampire their yep. life. So that way they can't survive in this industry or they, you know, it's malice some of the times. And I didn't get it done. Like I got served one cease and desist and like, I know I'm right. Uh, but anyways, um, for those people and it's not the company. Yes, it's the company or you're hiding behind this name or, you know, for protection, it's the people that make the decision to do that. And it's, mm -hmm. it's mostly about malice and control. Control. Um, it's a lot of its control. Uh -huh. it's, it's sickening. But if you are, you know, a resilient, relentless individual, you like, yes, remember what I said, you know, if something like that comes in your path, you could cry and die. Or you could just, you know, take your hour, you know, cry, let it all out, write it down on paper, scream, do whatever and pick your shit up and move the fuck on. And, and, and that was, that was the biggest thing for me. Cause I was like, it was like getting in the cash advance space. It's like, I'm back in the Thunderdome. That's and, what it and, felt for a lot of people. Yeah, Everybody nope. that came into this industry in the sales portion of things mm -hmm. found themselves in a, in, in an integrated industry of sales of a little bit of where they came from, whether it's mortgages or you know, Wall Street, um, a credit card processing, you know, auto. Th there's so many walks of life that came into this and they're like, oh, I love this shit. And every call was a different call. Even the no's were like, bye, you know, and they would curse, you know, after they hang up, whatever. Some people make it fun. <laughs> um, yeah. Either way, um, your team, and who you have on your side is a big, big factor of it. Um, because even though you want to do everything yourself as a broker, we understand you can shop your own deals, make your own commissions, do your own thing, whatever. Been doing this for 20 years. Um, times Only the last day. Only yeah. the last day. Yeah. I could tell you right now that even if you have so much experiences, everything changes and there are processes and certain automation that is going to come into play and it's not to single you out or you know get rid of the broker i believe that you can't and i think that was a notion at one point like i guess they were trying to try brokers i get it you hate us some of us are just intolerable we're assholes oh yeah you know, we, we send you deals. We don't give you information. We redact applications. We're just like, but, but that's also your own fault because you don't place standards on yourself. It's all data, right? But you have to deal with the people that give you the data. You know, let's talk about business here. But when you're talking about like personal, like I, this is why I work with like single guy, small boutique companies, not these huge offices, funders, you know, like I want individualized change and i think individualized change which as a broker you want to do it yourself but just realize that there is a huge network surrounding you that's just like you that could mimic that change that could you know cause a big wave for small business if you do it the right way providing resources and intelligence to these people not selling them not you know giving them stories and telling them what they want to hear, you know, providing them the DIY intelligence to make up their own mind. And they'll work with you as a person because a lot of these funding companies and I, I maybe like, oh shit, I don't know. I'll, I'll put them all together and average it out on Excel. I don't know. Um, I want to say like 85% of them don't have internal service departments or sales to take in direct small business applications and do that communication with a merchant they depend on the independent sales organization it's just up to them who they want to take and who they feel could bring them co the correct data or at least the the correct communication fuck the data at this point excuse me you know language about that but you know if you're bringing a solid client and you know that this you know, broke or screw that, you know, they're going to, you know, send them a follow-up email in a week and they're getting a bookkeeping or, you know, XYZ services, you know, you want that to be on your book. There's an entrance and an exit strategy for that deal. 
And if you see that along with the use of funds and you feel comfortable and warm, fuzzy inside, like let's work together. Not every deal is going to be that, but if you're using the funding company as a scrubbing machine or you're using your referral partner as that and not taking the time out like you, you know, you carve out a certain percentage of your day to learn about your product and the ways to do the sales portion and service portion, you know, answer questions and find your own way to, to input yourself into your company we don't do that in this industry. We just, you know, no, request an ISO agreement. We I mean, look at the guidelines and then the guidelines just sit somewhere in some unorganized folder in the computer. And, you know, you have to download it again. Now you have two copies, three copies, you know, like where's all this organization going for, you know, who could do trucking or who can't do California. It, it baffles me that people, yeah, and this is the scrubbing deal part that we'll get to. I'm so excited outline that with you. Um, but you know, what, what do you do to organize yourself with everything you have? What, what do you make, what do you do to make yourself as a broker, as somebody who would do it all yourself, a machine and a marketplace and somebody that houses this information, whether it's on the computer because your brain doesn't work like that, or, you know, you could organize it where, you know, the answers right away. It's all free. And it's there for you. Yep. You just got to do it. And it, it, if you're not working on your craft on a consistent basis, you're doing something wrong. If you're staying stagnant, you're doing something wrong. We were, my entire career in Wall Street, we were on the phones with 12 hour days. On Saturday, it was research day with the guys. You come in, look at your positions, look how they're trading. You see what information yeah, is coming out. listen to your calls. Go, oh, Oh God. I mean, yeah, everyone's, well, I don't know if they, uh, and I know the bigger shops do this. Some of the, the other shops, you know, when they do their training and shadowing and uh, my guy, Richard Diaz from Max Capital does this a lot. He trains some guys and he, he does shadowing great. Um, when they go back over the calls that they do, you know, there, there's a lot of building blocks in there. You know, we listened to the first uh, episode um from last week and I have maybe said you know like 150 times I didn't I, check I, I was I was guys I was telling man of this my mentor when I was on the phone with him because he, he was the person I really you know helped me get to where I'm at today on a ton um I used to say you know on the phone all the time now keep in mind you know, uh, market, you know, glass to go being repealed, globalization. Most of our business was calling the UK at that time, call the US too, but a lot of UK. So he walked in 3.30 in the morning and in black oak tag, he pasted on the entire wall. You know, he's like, Ephraim, that's not coming down until you stop saying, you know. And since then, I don't even know what that word is. Continue, Amanda. I wish I, I am going to practice my hardest to omit you know or you know and like I say like a lot guys like oh my gosh um and I get it it's who I am if you ever talk to me it it just comes out naturally um we're gonna do like that that Ashanti song baby you know when when they they were like how many times does she say baby in that song we're gonna find out how many times I say you know you know in one episode Anyway, back to everything because just lost train of thought. Um, I, I want to make a point with this before we go over the one hour mark and people start complaining that they have to listen for too long. Can I make it? Well, they'll find something to complain about. That's just human nature. Oh, yeah. By the way, well, two minutes. Brokers find anything to complain about Ephraim. I opened up my phone this morning and mind you, I'm on Facebook messenger all day. Like I won't answer my texts. I'll maybe glance at an email. I have this, you know, disorder. I don't know what it's called, but I uh, telepathically text you back and people know it. They know I see it. They know I'm on it, but I forget to tell them that I'm on it. Uh, but I look this morning and I get, I have like six messages at five o'clock in the morning. I'm up at five 30 and I'll just like around for a little bit. And I start reading these and I, this, this one guy, I love him to death. I think he's a great person. I uh, has a great personality. 
Um, but he starts rambling on and on and telling me that he'll give me X percent if I do this. And he has all these lender connections. He doesn't need me for that. He just needs me for this. And I get messages like that. Or sometimes I just get a message that says asshole. And I'm like, because I didn't write you back. So I just get, you know, but I have relationships like that with people. Mm -hmm. But with those, like the manic, like text messages of like, you know, the idea that you had at two o'clock in the morning, but you're not going to be actionable at eight o'clock in the morning, you know, because you're going to be sleeping all fucking day when I try to reach you because you did too much coke. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I have no idea. I don't know if, if I don't care, but I need stability in my life, people. And this industry has is not the most reputable for giving stability. Oh, and no. I you have to build it for yourself. And if that's something that I would walk away with this episode and what the confident broker really is and what I'm trying to do and who I am, like my beginning in this in, you know, how I experienced the first company that I worked with and seeing it mimicked over and over. This wasn't just a one situation. You know, we have a Craigslist episode where I talk to a bunch of people who applied on Craigslist and they give their experience of what it was like, you know, being, you know, a 20 person, you know, one out of 20 working on the floor and if they did it right or wrong. And just like you, Ephraim, you weren't there for, you know, that long until you realize like, you know, what it is and what you can do when you, mm -hmm. you start, when you, when you have a company and you control it on that feeling of oh i can't let anybody know our secret sauce i can't let anybody or know ask questions oh uh, if you are working questions company, asked. you can't ask a question you need to leave that's why a lot of people tell if you work at this company you can't talk to amanda kingsley why because i'm the best person to come and ask a question to ask kingsley hashtag ask kingsley you ask me a question i will give you the truth <laughs> even if you want advice or my point of view or even if I can't give you a point of view because maybe I don't know shit I will find somebody like Ephraim or one of the people in my network who I haven't oh, I can't wait for everybody to come on and tell their story and their success or even not even their success they may be in the middle and going through it and they're like okay you know how are we going to get through it we'll work it I want you to meet those people. And if there's anything that you learn or take from this episode in my story is that those people helped me get through it. So that's why I'm doing this. I've connected people for years or given free advice for years and I'm too nice and you talk too much or whatever. You know what? This is my business model. Shove it. Okay. So this is what I'm going to continue doing. I'm going to continue talking to the people that I like, that I think are fantastic, that make my day. And I'm going to do business with them because we communicate and we get shit done. And if you are one of those type of people, I want you to meet them and I want you to do business with them too, because they're looking for you. They're not sending you a cold email. They're not, you know, picking a model off the street and saying, hey, you know, wear two sizes, two small, stick your boobs out and, you know, filter yourself to the extreme you know, change your name to poor name and, you know, try to get some brokers. No, these are people, professionals that handle shit. These are companies that have reputable standards. And I have a checklist of what to look for and what they meet. And if they don't meet one or two of the things, it, I'll let you know what they are. And if they want to change it, they change it. But it's the top things that I will have on there and the checklist that you will find on the website. But you should listen to me sometimes. And I know that's confident. And I have some balls to say that. But yes, it, it, it'd be wise to listen if you didn't want to run to the same stomach blocks we both had. You know, that, that's what we're here to do. The, yeah. The and, and listen to the people, people that we will introduce and. You know, I wanted to create this platform forever. Actually, I didn't even know what it was. I, I was just trying to integrate myself and everybody else's shit. I was coming in, pulling up my chair to everybody's table like, hey, what are you eating? I can make that better. I can, do you want this? I can make this side. What do you want for dinner tomorrow? You know, like I'm that person. I was, I'm probably fucking annoying to a couple of people. But I realized like I couldn't bring my 
chair up to anybody's table anymore, even if I was getting paid to. Um, I didn't fit in. I didn't like it. I didn't like having dinner with these fucking people. So I built my own table. And then eventually, you know. You sitting down. You came along and, hey, can, can I sit here? Can I eat with you? Yeah. What's and I'm like, good? yeah, sure. But then, you know, go back to your own table because, look, your food's getting cold. You know? Take care of your shit over there. You know, your guys are getting lonely. You're missing out on conversation. Don't neglect your own fucking table and come over to mine. How about when you get to the point where you know what you're doing, come pull your table up next to me. That's where I was at. That's what I wanted to do. I hate when people say, oh, you're competing or you're competing with, you know, whatever. There's no competition. It's all about setting the right narrative for other people to find themselves and put themselves in the right mindset to be something to you know to to find themselves and to me mindset has been everything in helping me survive and I will tell many of you you know there have been some hardships along the way and there are days where I felt like I couldn't survive and a lot of you know it and those who I've worked with some of them became very close friends of mine and they have been my support system. Um, they keep me going, even when they don't even know they keep me going. I could have the worst day and shut myself out from everybody and I'll get a text message. And, you know, I remember that I matter and everybody needs that. But in in industry and a world, you know, if, if I didn't do this, I, I honestly don't know what I would be doing to keep busy maybe planting plants or something. But, you know, this is my knack. I want to talk. I want to have a radio show one day. That would be fantastic. But in the meantime, I want to have fun. And I want other people to learn in the ways that I think they should learn from the cool people they should learn from. Not, I, I don't even know what's out there. I, I can't even put credibility on, on many of the things. You know, I, I feel... Like you are served a plate of food without a fork and a spoon. Oh yeah, and and but that's that's what we're doing here with the confident broker podcast. Yeah, I kind of give the fork we're, and the spoon. Well, but but and then but, it's like pick what you want, you know. But you have to build your plate. But you know, you have to know what you can handle on your plate. But here's your fork and your spoon. There's the buffet. But you have to make it past this point first because you need to know what kind of plate you need, and you can't put too much on your plate. Yeah, you have to, you have to My analogies with food are crazy. They they are, but I, <laughs> I, I was saying in terms of you know what we're building now, Amanda, you know, just like Kevin Cost, I feel the dreams. If you build it, they will come. And with our industry, with the alternative lending, business financing space, there's been certain you know uh, companies out there that have to try and monopolize that that particular field. That their field is the only field that exists, and no one can build another. Well, I'm sorry. With the advent of technology, anyone can do it. Listen, Metallica thought they could stop Napster, and look what happened. Apple came along, create iTunes. So no matter how hard people want to control the narrative and control systems, we live in the world that's breaking down. That barriers are being broken on many levels, and either yeah. you adapt or die. Yes. And again, you can be a master change or a victim of change. You choose. But again, the same thing when I enter the business. When I had certain owners say, "Well, I had these relationships." Bop, bop, bop. I'm like, okay. But at the end of the day, I'm the salesperson on the phone. I'm originating the deal. I'm controlling what comes in, what goes out. I know my client and I know my, what value I bring to my client and the needs for the client. And my job is to work with you. You're my processor. You're here to process the deals. My job is to keep the merchant on track so they'll end up being the fall. But, you know, back to the funders who are 14th to 27th positions. If the merchant's going to stack in you, it's going to be the fault. They're going to default someone along the line. So you just look at to make the quick buck and, and move on. And some of us have built a book, built a book like that. Some of us look for a long lasting relationship. And that's what the Confident Broker Podcast is about. Yeah, exactly. Having an end game, you know, for everything, for the deals too. Like what, what is the end game for this deal? Not just getting them a cash advance and leaving. What else are you doing? Exactly. All in one. So with that being said, this is really what it's all about, guys. Like, this is who I am. I'm on the phone all the time. I talk to these 
people that you guys are going to meet all the time, whether it's on messenger or phone, or we're figuring out a deal or, you know, talking about a situation and how to fix it. You know, there's a lot of talking, but there hasn't been enough action. And a lot of that has been on me. And the reason being is because I kind of had to get it out. Like there's a lot I have to get off my chest. Like I've been through some shit and I don't owe anybody an explanation for anything. Not a single individual. Yes. But I feel like people had to know like where I started. Mind you, that's just like one little eensy beansy piece of it. Like I didn't even tell you guys that, you know, like I did lose, you know, and it sucks. Like imagine not living with your child or, you know, only being able to call them for like an hour every day and maybe pick up the phone or, you know, maybe you're in a meeting or something or stuck in the train and you can't call them. And I live with a lot of regret and it hurts. And then you have to run your own business. And, you know, who is your support system at the end of the day? Some people don't understand what you're going through. And there's a lot of you out there that are going through it. And you've had your ups and downs. You know, some of you have had addictions. You've overcome addictions. You've you've used this industry and the people that you've built around you as that support system. And, oh, I applaud you guys. I I look up to you. And I I saw something the other day. It was like, drug dealers are the best salespeople. Hell yeah. Um, but there's a lot of people that have been through it in this space and they're not all criminals. They can get licensed. They just been through some shit and we've survived together up until this point. And I'm tired of some bullshit. So I want to complain and get a couple of things out of the way, but then bring confidence to everyone from it because I'm tired of seeing it happen. I don't want the same thing happen to me to happen to another person that is why i'm doing this i don't want you to work with someone who rips you off and doesn't you know value your relationship and even have a an agreement that that is fake and you get ripped off at the end ten thousand dollars or even just six hundred dollars on that one deal that you were going to make your rent this month because you just started off and you didn't get that commission and you don't make rent you have to borrow money or some crazy. I've heard some crazy shit. I've been through some crazy shit. And I don't, I want to assist, navigate, or guide, however, for you to see the signs, trust your instincts, and know what to do all around to not make mistakes. Or if you do, what are the lessons you need to learn from them? Because a mistake made more than once is a decision. That's right. And that being said, you know, we could sum it up and because, you know, both had the same story in, in different respects. I won't compare my yours, but, you know, we are the heroes of our own stories yeah. and we're building something there. Isn't that crazy? You're the hero of your own story. We, we, well, yeah, we are the heroes of our own story. And we're, we're, it's about, just like you supposed well said, about people that have used this industry to rise up, to pick themselves up and turn their life into a positive, you know, positive direction. Those are the heroes of the story. And over the, the course of a couple of weeks and months ahead, you're going to hear that many stories of the many great brokers within our industry. That stories haven't been told, but they and should. Funder, be. lender, funders. That's funder, lender, funder, <laughs> funder, lender, funder. I love it. But, yes. but that's what we do. That, that's the essence of the confident broker. Be the hero of your own story. Yes. I feel so much better now. I feel like we're in a better place. And, and, and we're in, in an hour and no one's going to complain, but they'll find something else, Amanda. You know they will. But Oh, yeah. By the way, okay, before we get off, um, I'm going to end the show doing this because last week in finding that fortune cookie in front of me, the fortune, I was like, oh, I want to give everybody their fortune. Remember when I used to do the videos? Be like, here's your positive affirmations for the day. I ran out of affirmations. All right. So I'm just going to give you fortunes and the fortunes are provided by secondfortune.com. They are the maker of these fortunes for Panda Express. I am going to look for the one in Brooklyn because they supply all the small businesses for the Chinese restaurants around the United States of America. And I think I should support them more than this cookie cutter 
commercial company. But for now, until I find it, I'm going to read you your fortune of the day. And the fortune is understand yourself so you may understand others. Yeah. I like that. No, that's good. I like that. Yeah. And your lotto numbers, if you play lotto, are 29, 37, 38, 39, 16, and 35. Again, 29, 37, 38, 39, 16, and 35. Now remember, uh, you know, honestly, <laughs> you know that just in remember, lotto, in your lotto, like those numbers, like the bulls come down, you just sound like that girl, that, that woman right there. Just I do voiceovers too, by oh, the way. Man. I do charge if you want your, you know, thank you for calling. I could do that for you. If you want your voicemail, um, holler, holler at me. I could definitely help you with that. <laughs> that was, hey, I like that. That was good. All yeah. right. The many talents of Kingsley. All right. We're hopping off, guys. Until next episode. Happy funding. Later. <laughs>